the one thing that I want people to really get out of the book is to say, oh my God, Hannah Rage, um, I think I've been doing this so wrong all these years and I'm willing to look at it differently now, approach the relationship with my in-laws differently, the relationship with my husband differently now because of the tools in the book. Hey, it's Billy, and I'm glad you're here. On today's episode of Start Small, Believe Big, I'm excited to introduce you to author Hannah Rich Asidu and her new release, Decoding the In-Law Code. I am so excited to get into this. <laughs> Hannah Rich is an author, speaker, philanthropist, mother, and wife. She graduated from the University of Ghana with a bachelor's degree in English and French. She's also certified in the science of well-being under the instruction of cognitive scientist, Dr. Lori Santos at Yale University. Hannerich went through the motions of being a religious Christian for many years, and she had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, which brought her to true joy and fulfillment, regardless of circumstances. It is this passion to see others live fulfilled, happy lives that inspires her writings. She's a mother of three little boys, another thing we have in common. My little boys aren't so little anymore, and resides in Dallas, Texas with her family. Today, we're going to dig into decoding the in-law code. Whether you're getting married or have been married for days or years, in-law drama does not have to be part of your life. Even if you have been spared the drama and have a great relationship, you can always find new ways to make it better. Relationships with the in-laws can seem like a nightmare. If you've ever faced difficulty with your spouse's parents, you're not alone. The good news is there is hope. More with Hannah Rich in a minute, but first I wanna thank you for listening. All of the Start Small, Believe Big episodes, my social media links and email are on my website, billyjouse.com, and I'd love to hear from you. You can also find links to all of Hanrich's contacts and the link to buy her books in the show notes. Now, let's not resist that small beginning, but persist in the next thing God is calling us to. Welcome, Hannah Rich. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much, Billy. I'm so excited to be here this morning. <laughs> well, and I want to say that um, I'm going to back up because I, I, I talked about it when I prayed with you before we got on. But Hannah Rich and I actually met at a salad bar. <laughs> we were both at a writing, uh, a writing uh, conference in Florida, the Florida Christian Writers Conference. And we met standing in line for the salad bar. And I just... <laughs> You know, I, I call those divine appointments. God yes. appoints us at the right time, in the right place to meet amazing people. <laughs> and you were one of those. So thank you for being here now. Thank you, Billy. Thank you. I would have never thought I could be, you know, have a, a conversation that would lead to something like this in line, in a setup. I mean, who does that? Only God could do something like that. And I am just so thrilled. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, I want to ask before we even get into the book, have you always wanted to be an author? Like, is this something that has been a lifelong dream or how did you come about writing book? Absolutely not. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Never. And this was actually one of the first questions I was asked at my book launch just on Saturday. I would have said you sneaked in to listen 
Um, I never wanted to be an author ever. I mean, I never thought God would lead me here. I came to Texas and I was in a PhD, a master's and PhD program in public policy and political economy because I had worked with the United Nations. So my background is more like corporate humanitarian organizations. And that is just where my focus was. And But I enjoyed writing and I knew the Lord had taken me through this um, in-law challenges and run with this place of peace. And I thought I would write about it when I was like 50 years old or 70 years old when I, you know, I was old and done with all the things that I want to pursue. But God had different plans. And so God led me. He put that urgency in me. And I have no idea, Billy. Yes, I have a bachelor's in English, but I have not, like no idea about writing, about publishing. Nothing that it's a whole entire industry on its own that if you're out of that industry, you would never know how much there is to publishing and writing. Like it's so much. And so I had to literally learn everything from ground. Literally, I mean, literally like Google, like how do I write a proposal? How do I get an agent? How do I get a publisher? How do I publish a book? How do I, like literally I had to Google and then I started taking classes, like I just didn't know anything about all of this, but once the Lord leads you to do something and there will be challenges. I had, I faced so many challenges from my friends. I had to lose some good friends. I even lost some good pastors because they were like, you have this, they believe that I had a higher calling of, you know, going into corporate relations, going into humanitarian, you know, with the United Nations, having my doctorate. And I wanted to do, and not that writing this little, but it was mostly like just coming down to do this thing that you don't even know anybody had a rich year and immigrants, you know, I'm not even American. That's a whole challenge. I'm like, God, how are you going about all of this? But he has made it so beautiful. And in the past, like three years, it's been an incredible journey that I just see his hands and his grace just leading me through all the challenges that came and I'm just so grateful to actually be a published author. So actually hold that book in my hand. It's so exciting. <laughs> we're talking, we're going to get to the book, but what did you do when you first got that first book in your hand? What was the first thing you did? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a video on it on my social media and it's gone like, everyone is just talking about it because my kids, because my kids have had me, I've been promoting this before, like a year now. My little boys can literally tell you the title of my book. So in the video, I'm running around and they are screaming. Everyone is excited. <laughs> it was just so full of joy. It was like the word becoming flesh kind of moment. It's like, oh my God, the word has become, like I can hold it and yes. write it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Our stories are so much alike in ways that are, you know, I, I see so many ways that the Lord put us together because I never dreamed of being a writer either. Mm-hmm. And it was in my late forties that the Lord was like, right. And I'm like, Jesus, I am from North Carolina. I don't even speak English well. <laughs> How am I supposed to write it? Except I am American, but being from the the country of North Carolina, I'm not very, you know, there's a lot of language issues and I was not an English major at all. So it's just really funny. So tell me about your new book, Decoding the In-Law Code. Tell me about it. Oh my gosh. 
So I realized I'm just, I'm, I'm not going off track, but I just want to make it oh. a textual conversation because it started from my grandparents. My grand, my grandmom had terrible in-law relationships. And then it came into my mom. My mom also had bad in-law relationships. So growing up and I observed aunties around me, uncles and, you know, and I was in Ghana. I grew up in Ghana and I, before I came to the US, I thought it was just a Ghanaian thing where Ghanaian laws were just terrible. But I also realized just watching movies, it was like a typical, a very stereotypical relationship. So I entered marriage already. And most of us, that's what most of us do. We already enter into the marriage with in-law problems because we know that it's difficult. So we go into the marriage ready to battle. So that's exactly what I did. I was like, you guys are demons. I'm setting boundaries. I'm, I'm not allowing this and that. And it was causing so many problems in our marriages. And that's what most people don't realize is that the in-law problems don't just happen separately. It actually pours into your marriage. And now you're having all these conflicts with this person that you adore so much. And it used to break my heart. And I, being a Christian, I used to be like, Holy Spirit, like God help me. So I was like, okay, God, if you want me to become best friends with my in-laws, sure. Because I started off not wanting to be best friends, wanting to be enemies, trying to fight off all their relationship. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to be best friends. And that didn't work. You're not supposed to be best friends with your in-laws. That is ridiculous. Like it doesn't work. Right now, I got to a place where the Lord put me in this middle place where I wasn't having all these arguments with my husband because of our, his siblings and his parents. And I wasn't also best friends with them. It, it doesn't matter. We don't have to be best friends. But I was in this place of peace that mm-hmm. we enjoy our marriage better because we're having these peaceful relationships with our in-laws, not because we are best friends. And I'm like, how can I help other people? Because I know, and especially when I came to the United States, I realized that, oh my God, it's everybody. It's not even just Africans. It's everybody. You know, in America is like a melting pot of all cultures and all people from all over the world. And I'm very talkative. I'm very social. You know, so I talk to people and I realize there's so many people that I always look like, I wish I had this book. But I'm like, but I'm going to write this book when I'm like 70. And the Lord is like, you're doing it now. And so that's just kind of how the book was birthed. Like, they just- Awesome. Such a great story because I'm a true believer that you should never write a book because you think other people need it. You should write a book from you actually experiencing it and getting to the place that you are in that place of peace or fulfillment or joy. And you can say to someone, look, here I am and you can be here too. And that is why I think this book for you is a huge because you've lived it. For generations, you've seen the hurt and destruction, and now you're living it in your own relationship. So tell me about the book. What? How did you end up, like, the layout of the book? What is it that readers are going to obtain? Like, what are they going to get from the book? Yes. So I, I actually start with mind-shifted principles because I realized that everything that happened to me happened with my mind. It wasn't even... It just it was because of my mindset. I had a certain kind of mindset. So I tackle, I have like 15 mind shifting principles that will help you to shift your thinking from how it was. And I'm gonna give examples. Like for instance, most of us think that once we get married, our in-laws are our parents. We're supposed to, they're supposed to treat us like their own children. Um, I call that call a spade a spade. Your in-laws are 
not to your parents. I'm sorry. They never can be. They never will be. They can never love you. Like, and I have just had kids and it's even more intense for me now. Cause I'm like, these kids I've only lived with for five years, three kids, but the love I have for them. And let's say the next 20, 25 years. And they bring a random stranger. How do you love that person the same? It's impossible. But we have this expectation that our in-laws, and so when they are not treating us that way, it causes a lot of chaos. And I remember when I had just, this is just a quick example in the book as well, but when I had just had my babies, my first baby, and everything was just brand new for me. And I didn't talk to my mother-in-law, but guess what? I was talking to my mom like a lot, all the time. I had a script of how the conversation should go. And it did not go that way. She asked me totally different things. And I was like, that is not what I was expecting. I had, I even had a meltdown with my husband over that because she's not, and, and you know, and now the Holy Spirit brought me to the place where it's like, she's not your parents. She's not your mom. Your mom understands your intimate, your mom gets you. Your in-law cannot get you that way, right? I have all these principles. I have walk a mile in her shoes because when I walk a mile in the shoes of my in-laws, because when I, Heard about her past, about the things she had been through. It put it, it put things in perspective for me in the present because she had gone through all these difficulties of like intense poverty, of you know, losing her husband, all these challenges. And so she's in this place where she's not financially stable. We're having to support her. And it used to be, it used to cause conflicts because I'm like, why are we having to support her so much? But once I found out her past. It made me empathetic. So I encourage people. That's another mind-shifting tool. A lot of people don't even know about the history of their in-laws. We know about the history of our parents. <laughs> my mom is a single mom. I know the things she went through, the challenges. So I love my mom for that. But you, we don't know enough about the challenges that our in-laws went through to raise their children as spouses that we are living with. Right? So I encourage people, walk a mile in the shoes of your in-laws. And I have like over 10, 20, 15 more conversation and uh, mind shifts and principles. And some people are like, Hannah, well, that's fine. But I don't even know what kind of conversations to have with my in-laws. Like we don't chat. Like, so I have conversation starters in the book that's as well. Awesome. And I have over 50 conversation starters. And no, like you don't have to go and then like, hey, mommy, like question number one, like, yeah. <laughs> No, these are all supposed to be just guiding principles, just to guide you to have conversations that will open up to more and more and more. And I realized also that it's important to have these conversations with our in-laws and know more about their past because our children, and if you have children, you realize that your children are not just coming from you, they are coming from generations before you. So you want to see the traits of, you know, did they have business success? Did they have scientific, you know, just find out, try and pick it out. So that when you see those traits in your kids, you're able to see, hmm, your grandma was exactly like that. Not my mom, but your you know, your, my spouse's parent was exactly like that. So though I have those mind shifting principles that I have also a section that I call, it was a difficult section because I lost my mother-in-law and I never intended for that section to be in the book. But I, when I'm grieving, I just, I, I love writing, honestly. So I just wrote, I was just writing some of the coping mechanisms I was coping with in that season of loss and that chapter is also kind of in the book right now. I have the blessings that come from honoring our in-laws. And, you know, there's one person, we always pray, Billy, but how do we know 
what prayer gone unsaid, right? But there's just one person in the Bible, the entire Bible, that we know for sure that she was blessed because of her in-laws, and that is Ruth. Mm-hmm. Ruth was not even an Israelite. She was not a virgin. She was not qualified. She only, you know, she was so blessed that she actually ended up in the lineage of Christ. I mean, come on, Billy. Yeah. And all because she had a peaceful relationship with Naomi. And I'm sure they had challenges that the Bible couldn't have recorded because another thing I make claim the book is that we are all not perfect. We're all human beings. We're all not perfect. So it's just, these are some of the major highlights in the book. And I just know that you will just enjoy reading the book so much. It will just help you to see things differently. I've already had so many people give me so much feedback on, on how it's just changed their mindsets and how they wish they had this book earlier in their marriages or earlier in their lives. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you, is your husband American or is he a Ghanaian? No, he's Ghanaian. He is Ghanaian. So yeah. you don't even have the, so that's really, I think it's helpful for people listening to, to know that it's the same culture. You're not fighting against another cultural, you know, set of standards in a sense that yeah. you're having to um, overcome because there's so many things in our marriages that we have to overcome any, anyway. But um, sometimes that cultural difference can also it be a, a whole, and I remember Billy not to cut you short. No, no, go. I had a discussion with a group of Catholic ladies. I'm not Catholic, but they are Catholic, and you know, just talking about the book and how trying to advise them and give practical examples in their situations. And there was a lady who is American who is married to a Hispanic, and that was like a lot of that was like she had so many problems because they were more Catholic. She was drawn into the Catholic by her husband, but it was just so many challenges. But she was like, Mahanarich. I'm able to still apply these things you're saying. It doesn't matter that it's even different cultures. You know, I'm still able to apply them. So that's, yeah, not just Katisha, but just saying. No, no, no. Very good. It's very good because I think the principles that you're giving are really breaking down barriers of whatever it is. It's more about your relationship and how your mind is set in the way of looking at your in-laws and my in-laws have passed, but I'm now, you know, I have three boys and they're in their early thirties, late twenties. And I'm praying to Jesus one day I become an in-law, but just through going through relationships with their girlfriends, even from an in-law perspective, of wanting to love on them and wanting to be a part of their lives, there is a place of decoding from this side too, that I think your principles also help that it gives you a place to be able to change your mindset on this child would not love me like she loves her mother. And I understand that. I understand that, but it's coming to that place, even from my position of potential daughter-in-laws in the future. And, you know, all three of my boys date, different girls in the sense that they are they're they're just from you know they're different human beings and different personalities and each boy dates girls that have you know a certain a very distinct unique personality and traits for them and they're not the same and so i'm not how to be called three different personalities exactly exactly but i think your book is really really good in in giving us tools to be able to decode these relationships 
in going through this decoding your own in-law code and decoding your own relationship with your mother-in-law, how did that change your relationship with her, with your husband, and also with your children? I know they're young. I know, you know, but how did this, this experience that you had that came to this book strengthen those relationships? I know you talked a little bit about your husband before, but just to, to dig into that a little more. Absolutely. And it's not just my mother-in-law. I also talk about my sibling-in-laws because that is awesome. <laughs> that was well, one of <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah. So, yes. So, with my mother-in-law, to the point where I did not want to be close to her, I did not want to open up to her, I got to the point where I started opening up more. I wanted to hear more. And I did hear more. I did know more. And I became more empathetic to where she could ask me for things without necessarily even asking my husband. And I would be okay with that. But it wasn't like that before. Before I was asking him and then it would be, it would cause chaos in the marriage. But now it's like, I became so much more empathetic. I was able to, when I had the kids, just you know, show her videos and show her pictures, just open them up to her as well. So they know her so well that even though they are so little, they know they have one grandmother in heaven. So they call her grandma in heaven and then grandma in Ghana is my mom. So they have two grandmas. <laughs> they still have, you know, when she died, we still, and I also talk about that in the book, you know, about, because some people, I expose my kids to that grief, even though they were young and other people have opinions and you do what you're comfortable with, but I wanted them to know She's not, she's no longer here. You're not going to see her on video anymore. You're not going to talk to her anymore. But she's in heaven with Jesus. And they know that. And it's so surprising that they are so little, but they still get it. That was amazing to me. So that opened up their relationship. And with my sibling in-laws, my, my husband has three sisters. And oh. I, oh my gosh. <laughs> I used to think, I used to try to control because I have a one brother and we have a very different relationship. So my husband calls my family, the parliaments, like parliamentary family, because everybody has a say in everything. Everybody is, and his family is not like that. Every, his family is not independent. Everyone is to themselves. So nobody's in anyone's business. So that was also, we had to bridge that gap because we both didn't get it. And that was another thing that, you know, some of the principles in this book, like thinking around competition. Like I used to think, cause I will talk to my family, try to remember, remember everything and pour it onto my husband. Not that he didn't really care, but when he spoke to his family, he wouldn't tell me a single thing. And I would sometimes think, I was like, what is going on? Why are you not telling me? So I got to this person. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. We're, these are two, we have to separate it. We're, we have totally different relationships going on and it's fine. The, the marriage, our marriage does not end a sibling relationship. And that's where most of us think that once we get married, the siblings should just like disappear or whatever, but it doesn't. We can still have those relationships on the side and still enjoy them and come back and enjoy our marriage. It doesn't end it. And that's another thing that I see so many people try to, it causes so many conflicts because we try to have imposed what we think, how our spouses should behave with their siblings and how we think it should be done onto them. Meanwhile, they have a totally different one, like I said, in my situation. So that was just, those are all some of the dynamics of how the changes I went through and how I'm in this place of peace and joy. I can talk to my family and I don't really have to try to remember everything and come tell him everything because I know, not that he doesn't care, but it doesn't really matter. Right. If it's important, 
I will tell him, but it's not like before. And I don't expect him to pour so much to me. They, they have their own business. I don't care if it's something that will affect our finance, affect like a major thing that of course we share and discuss, but like little, little spiral, I just let it go. It's not worth it. It's not worth your peace. It's not worth your joy. It's just not worth it. Yeah. It sounds like a pro- just prioritizing what's important and what's not. Not that things that you don't place the same amount of importance on that is not important. It's still important. It's just really finding those priorities in each of your relationships. It's funny, another parallel to our lives. I have seven brothers and sisters and my husband has one sister and one brother and his family is very independently. They talk to each other once every three, four months. I talked to when my mom just passed, but when before I talked to my mom at least five to seven times a week, you know, and she wanted to be very intimately included in our relationship and everything that was going on. Where David's mother, like you say, it's not that she didn't care. It just wasn't important to her. She had other things that were important. She didn't need to know. She didn't need to be involved. So, uh, you know, when my husband and I first got married, it was like, your parents don't care. Don't love us. (laughs) Your your parents don't like me because your mom's not like intimately involved in our life. And my husband's like, she's got other stuff going on. I'm like, well, my mom's got other stuff going on there. You know, she's taking care of everybody's business. Like she's making sure we're all, you know. So (laughs) it's really funny you saying that because even at our wedding, you know, his family photograph was like five people, you know? And mine was like 42, you know? (laughs) And, you know, I begged people and my friends to sit on his side of the church because my side was full, you know? And he has great friends, but, you know, still in the same sense of he has one or two really great friends and I have like 20, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, same here. Billy, I think you and I are so alike. Even our families, oh my God dynamics are so alike wow so alike so just just funny coincidence I'd say there's never a coincidence when the Lord these are uh, divine appointments when the Lord puts people into your path that he knows um you're gonna have these kindred spirits with that you're gonna continue to glorify him with and I'd love that that we understand each other on a whole new level now (laughs) so what is if you could Sum up, and I think I've already heard you say it, but I really want to get people the understanding of if they read this book, what are they going to get from it? What are they? It seems like you've really got tools and understanding and prioritization of things, but is it the peace? Is that the one thing that you hope people gain from this is having peace in their marriage and within their in-law, sibling in-laws and parent in-laws? honestly the one thing and I've already had a lot of that feedback but the one thing that I want people to really get out of the book is to say oh my god Hannah Rage, um, I think I've been doing this so wrong all these years and I'm willing to look at it differently now approach the relationship with my in-laws differently the relationship with my husband differently now because of the tools in the book and it's not like I um, I, I always am like I don't, it's not that I need scripture to validate the points, but of course, like the word of God is everything to me. And for all those mind shifts and tools I have, and believe you go through the book, you will notice that 
almost every single one of them has a scripture. And so this is not things I'm making up on my own, but these are actually ways that the Lord, like for instance, one of the four Ps in the book, the four Ps is after you have done everything, you feel like you have used all the mind shifting tools. Your in-laws are still not changing. You're like these terrible people, these monsters. Or you're like, Hannah Rich, I'm the angel and they are the monsters. Well, guess what? What does the Bible say? What does the Lord? Maybe, maybe, maybe we are the only Christians, the only true Christians that our in-laws would ever really experience. And maybe this is like Paul said, I pray that this, this be taken away from us. He said, my, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weaknesses. So that's one of the main things in the book is where we are letting our light as Christians shine through the darknesses going on in this world. There are darknesses going on in our in-law relationships, in our marriages, being but where people see us and they see Christ because we are not walking the walk. We are talking a lot. But we need to walk the walk, especially as Christians. And if you're not a Christian, it's okay because you can still read it. And I, I, I just, I just put everything in there, but I just put a scripture down there to just for Christians to know that hey, this is actually what the Lord is saying concerning this topic that I'm talking about. Yeah. So I talk about that, like, but that that those four Ps that I talk about, that after you've done everything, that you just don't stop praying. We pray about so many things to change. Our finances are married, like, but we never even pray for our in-laws. And Tony Evans said, the more you pray for someone, you get them off your nerves and onto your heart. <sighs> it's quite difficult to really be so annoyed with someone you're praying for. You're genuinely wanting to see them change. You're genuinely wanting to see the Lord do something in your life. You're genuinely praying for your sibling-in-laws, for those, that monster-in-law, that God changed this woman. You're genuinely wanting to see that change. You're being patient. No one knows how long it will take. Like, only God knows. Yeah. I can't tell you that once you go through everything in this book, your in-law is going to change everything. You cannot change your in-law. You can. You only have control about yourself. You're not. You can never ever. They. You can never control what they do or don't do. But what what I encourage people in the book is be different. Be that light. Does not regardless of what your in-laws do. You are that constant that never changes. Yes, it's difficult, but is it doable? Yes, it is because our Lord has done it. He has been a human being. He's gone through all the temptations, all the challenges we've been through. You may say he never got married. Well, he still went through different challenges, and the Bible puts it there for a purpose that he was human. He went through all the things that we have gone through, and he overcame. And once he has overcome, we can overcome too. We just need to be more. Change our mindset and decide to walk that walk. Yes. That is that That's is so good. You that is so good. And I think the one thing you just said that hit me the most is be that light. Be yeah. the light of Jesus in someone else's life. Even if that's your monster in-laws, you know, if that's someone that you can't seem to get along with and, and open up your heart to see them in a new light and be God's light to them. And our this has been awesome. I'm so excited about your book. And in every show, I always ask when I interview people, one last question. So I'm going to ask you, what small beginning did you resist only to let go and allow God to take you where he desired. Oh, I feel like I probably have mentioned this even a little bit, but for me, um, the small beginning for me, honestly, was writing and getting published for me because it was really like 
so basic. It was, I had no clue, nothing. I literally had to go look up how to like write a nonfiction book. Like it was all little steps. It was all small things. Whereas I had this massive, I had a decade of experience, you know, working with the United Nations, working with like Lancaster, going to meeting ambassadors in Ghana, traveling, you know, I had this grandiose experience being here in the US and being, you know, doing my master's and PhD to where I'm reduced to like, uh, how do you write a book? Like, how do you get an agent? You know, like it was, it was such a small beginning for me and a small beginning that sometimes, and I, I want to tell your listeners that sometimes you may have to start something small, but when, when you know that this is what the Lord is telling you to do, then it doesn't matter the challenges. It doesn't matter that I lost very good relationships that I wish I, I still had, but it's fine. This was what the Lord was telling me to do is to write and to get published. And I'm sorry that people, some people did not get it. And that was okay. And, you know, I had, and not to say I didn't get even challenges with finding a publisher. I got over a hundred rejections, Billy, from different. And imagine I, I got so frustrated. I wanted to give up so many times, you know, I'm like, I don't even know anyone. I don't even have a huge platform. I'm not Joyce Meyer or Sarah Jakes Robert. Like who, who is even going to listen to me? But I'm so glad that I just started those small things, those small steps, writing of learning how to get published, learning how to write proposals, learning how to find agents, all these things. And now looking back and seeing, and I'm not a bestseller, which I pray just that I will be, but I just, I'm so glad I have grown so much. The people I've met, Billy, I would have never met you. <laughs> like, no, exactly. Oh, I mean, it's been an amazing journey and to just having a book published and being able to speak to hundreds of people all over the world, not just Africans, like whites, Asians, Hispanics, not just people in my domination as an assemblies of God person, but Catholic, like I would have never had that opportunity to speak to Catholic, Catholic moms. I mean, who am I? But just obeying God, obeying what he told me to do, leaving all those grandiose things that I thought I was doing and just starting small, starting from scratch. And I actually have an article on my website, on my, my, my social media, where I talk about the things I learned from starting from scratch, Billy. I learned so much, but I had to leave everything and just start from scratch in this brand new industry for me. And it's beautiful how far the Lord has brought it. I know he has so much more, so many more other plans that I just can't wait to see how he unravels all of it. Yeah. It, it, you know, even in you saying all this, it's just submitting to what God's asking you to do, no matter how tiny it may seem or how elementary it may seem or how rudimentary it may seem. And just taking that one small step, making that one next decision, taking that one action that he's asking you to do and believing in that big God that we serve because he is so mighty. He may never make you or I a best-selling author, but he has given us a word to speak into the lives of others that if even if it helps one person, isn't that a mighty God that we serve? Helping one person at a time to see things differently. And I just love that. I love this book, Decoding the In-Law Code. And thank you, Hannah Rich. I'm so blessed that we met. I'm so blessed that you're on the podcast. (laughs) 
I am so honored to be here. But I've been looking forward to this so much. My husband's yes. like, oh, this is the podcast final. I'm like, yes, this is it finally. Well, <laughs> I'm so excited. And I know our listeners are going to be blessed to hear you talk about your new book. Remember, you can find information on buying Decoding the In-Law Code and how to stay in touch with Hanrich in the show notes. I also want to say another similarity we have before I go is we both are published by Iron Stream Media. So going to make sure we tag Iron Stream Media and all the social media posts about yeah. this podcast. Yeah. yeah, they are incredible group of publishers. I love the team I work with. That's awesome. Yes. Well, thank you. And remember, listeners, you can follow along with me and my new book, Distraction Detox. Sign up for Morning Sunshine Daily Devotion and all the things on my website, billyjouse.com. I pray this podcast has encouraged you to allow Jesus to work in and through your life one step, decision, and action at a time. Thank you for joining me today on the Start Small, Believe Big podcast. I hope you're back next week for another episode. Now, let's not resist that small beginning, but persist in the next thing God is calling us to. Be blessed, my dear friends. Until next time.